And this week we have two-time Bassmaster winner and three-time Bassmaster Classic qualifier, Brian New. As if that's not enough, we also have Jake's take back this week with a report from the Bassmaster Opens. Both of them join me this week on... I'm Bob Cobb from the Bassmaster. Welcome to Mercer. Welcome one, welcome all friends, family, freeloaders, fishing freaks. As always, you're all welcome here at the Awkwardly Honest Fishing Podcast that goes by my last name, which is Mercer. Happy hump day. I hope you're all having a great week. It is Wednesday, September 20th. Hard to believe how fast time is flying. Um, this month just seems to be flying past. Um, been a good month, though. I mean, I've, I've it, you know what it's been? It's been really nice for me to be fishing and not just talking about people's fishing now don't get me wrong i love all my jobs but but it is nice to get back to actually fishing rather than just talking about it and i think my whole family feels that way to be honest because um if you ask my wife she'll tell you when i don't fish i get kind of grumpy so i've been less grumpy and i've been doing lots of fishing and um and the fishing is only going to get better um some crisp, cool mornings we're starting to get now. I mean, football is back in all of our lives, whether you're a college fan or a NFL fan. Um, and, I, and I love this kind of year. See, I'm, I'm torn. Here's my problem. I love this kind of time of year. I love, we got a lot of great fishing ahead. Um, and while people down south may be excited about the hoodie weather, it, it does bring a little fear to my heart. And simply because I know it's, just gonna keep getting worse but but there's a lot of great fishing ahead and here's my dilemma because the two things I probably love most in life outside of my family and serious things like that is fishing and shooting underwater footage um, for those of you that follow on YouTube you've probably seen a lot of the YouTube shorts that I post that's all shot by me for the most part all the underwater you see in the show and YouTube for the most part is shot by me it's one of my biggest passions um not just shooting underwater footage but actually getting in the water and swimming with the fish um i love it it, it, it to me when i hear pro anglers explain hunting and what they get from it you know when they say i just need that stand time that that kind of decompression it's just everything slows down i need to get in that that's what shooting underwater footage is for me i mean i love swimming with the fishes so here's my problem there's part of me that really wants the temperature to get cooler because it'll make the fishing better and then there's the other part of me that's like no don't 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 get any cooler because it will put an end to another thing that i love to do which is swim with the fishes but don't fear or, or i this is me talking to me i don't need to fear because as soon as I'm done this podcast, I'm actually going away for a couple days. I'm going to shoot some incredible underwater footage. And uh, it'll probably be, I mean, I'll shoot some more underwater footage this year, but it'll probably be the last time I actually get in the water with the fish for this season for me, which is always kind of sad. Um, and I know what you're thinking. But why doesn't he just go snorkeling down in the Florida Keys in the, in the winter months or something like that. Well, there's a problem with that. I am deathly afraid of something eating me, and there's a lot of things that could eat me in salt water. 
Um, so much so, um, moment of total honesty, I'll let you know. So when I'm swimming with the fishes, when I'm down there diving, I literally, um, I wear a wetsuit, obviously. A wetsuit, for those of you who have never worn one, has a long zipper pull that you pull up the back so you can, you can pull up your zipper. And it, it kind of just hangs back there. No less than twice a swim, I swear to you. No less than twice a swim. I'll be down there. It's so, it's just chill. It's just, I mean, it's the underwater environment. You learn so much from the fish. They react to you so different when you're in the water with them. It's just, to me, it is just like, Mwah. it is my yoga. My what? I guess it's not yoga, but you know what I'm saying. It's, it's, it's my meditation. So I'm down there, but no less than twice a swim. That that zipper tag will come kind of floating in my peripherals. And it will scare the absolute crap out of me. I, I, I mean, I don't know what I think it is, but I just uh, know it's it's something sneaking up on me. So, um, yeah, that's why I don't do it in salt water, I guess. Because if I get scared in fresh water, I mean, Lord knows what I will do in salt water. But... Um, Excited to go off and do that, but excited about this week's show. Um, a great few guests. Of course, we have Brian New this week, and he's always incredible at being open and being honest. I mean, you ask him a question, you're going to get a direct answer from Brian New, and that's definitely what he delivers this week. And as if that's not enough, we are once again joined by friend of the show, Jake Latondris, Bassmaster videographer with Jake's take from the Bassmaster Open at Watts Bar, which he was there covering on the final day. He's actually going to be on uh, Lake of the Ozarks this coming week, so we're going to have Jake's take again next week. So lots to look forward to, but um, without further ado, I guess we better jump into this show and uh, catch up with the one and only Brian New in a truck somewhere in South Carolina. Brian New, it's always good to talk to you, and um, I feel like we didn't talk enough this year. No, no, I uh, I decided to take a few days off. I didn't really decide to. I was kind of forced to. <laughs> when when your slogan, when your luck, I mean, your slogan is "Don't suck." It must really suck when when you're kind of sucking. It, it does. It really does. It, uh, you know. You could sit back and make excuses and say this or that, and but at the end of the day, it's just, you know, somebody's going to suck. A lot of people are going to. I mean, 50-plus guys are going to. And when you go to a tournament, you know, obviously we want to win. But at the end of the day, you know, we need to get a top 50. And throughout the season, obviously, you need to try to get some top 10s and to get more points, get more money. and and that, you know, sometimes it just doesn't come together. Sometimes you're right there and one little thing goes wrong. And instead of finishing 10th or 49th or 50th, you finish 104th or 103rd. And, and that happened a few times this year. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it does suck, you know, because you made one little mistake or one little thing went wrong turns into a huge deal and that happened i mean the first four tournaments were were bombs i mean 
I think I got two little checks, so somewhere in the 60s probably, and then two bombs. <laughs> I mean, Seminole, I've been there five or six times over the last five or six years, and I've never done bad there. And I've, I've won a big tournament there by 15 pounds, uh, actually. I mean, blew wow. it away. It was – I love that place. But this year I finished uh, 103rd out of 104. So, like, that's, that's pretty bad. <laughs> so, a funny story about that. Actually, two stories about it. But the funny one was day two well, – going into day two, I was second from last, and David Mullins was dead last. And it was really foggy, pretty foggy that morning. Um, got to an area where I actually tried to start the first or I did start. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit in a second. But the first day I started there. And anyways, it's a it's a big flat, but there's a couple key places on the flat. And kind of you can see some boats around and got a, pretty close to one and looked over. It was David Mullins. I said, Mullins, this ain't good, Bubba. Uh Second from last and dead last, starting in the same spot. I said we both need to leave. <laughs> but uh, so that's the funny start part about that. But backing up to day one, or let's back up to practice. There was one little patch of pad stems. I'm talking the size of two boats and two trucks parked beside each other. I had like six bites in practice, and you know after the second one, I was like, this is probably something. But I kind of just wanted to see. So the third a bite forecast but like god dang how good is it so after six i finally quit well day one i take off i run down the river i pull in there on the flat and you know it's it's just a little bay a fairly it's not a huge bay but i knew you know it's the pad stems are just off the bank i don't really need to look at my waypoint um well I, i'm pulling up I see the pad stems. I sat down, look around. There's a few boats over here, a few boats over there. Ike and Ellie's on down the bank a little ways. And I'm getting up to the pad stems where I can cast at them. And I'm looking, where's the two little reed heads that were there? And I'm looking around. Oh, they're up there about 75 yards. I stopped too soon because I'm visually looking. And it had been two days since I'd been there. So the juice is between me and Iconelli. He's on the other side of it. I'm on this side of it. Well, this other angler uh, just decides to pull right in between us. I mean, like right in between us. It was, I was not happy. Uh, I said a whole lot of very choice words and was very vocal about it. And in the meantime, you know, I'm trying to get there. Iconelli kicks it on high, pulls down, at that point, the angler that cut us both off knew where he stood, and you know he he didn't really get out of the way, but I went ahead and pushed my way in. Um, but whenever I got to the juice, Iconelli was on it, rightfully so, pulled down. I didn't even throw at it, so I just kind of get out of there, and because I knew that was the juice, there was really no sense in fishing the rest of it. Fast forward, Iconelli sits there for four days and makes the top ten. If I don't make that mistake and actually sit down where I thought I was sitting down, maybe I don't catch him. Maybe I never get a bite, but he sat there for four days 
and made the top ten. <laughs> so, like, I think I would have called him. Um, but, you know, that's that's part of it. And, you know, I could go on and on about the first four tournaments like that. I mean, but there's no need to. You, you accept it and move on. Um, but we did turn the season around, and uh, we quit sucking. Yeah, yeah. The North was pretty decent to you. I mean, just really – I mean, to go from where you started the season off the first half, first of four events to you're literally knocking on the door of the classic, a few spots outside of the classic. So you almost fully repaired your season. <laughs> but I, I think what you're talking about and me and you have kind of had this conversation, whether it was you were showing up to do live mix and me, you and Davey were standing there or whatever. But I've heard this conversation a few times with you throughout the year. I think the average Bassmaster viewer way underestimates just how close that razor thin line is between having yeah. the, a great season, literally a great season and a bomb, you know, one where you yeah. don't make the classic. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, after the first four tournaments, I was 101st in the points and, you know, five tournaments, the being uh, the three Northern tournaments and, another one i don't remember where it was i mean i moved up and finished 46 out you know so in five tournaments i moved up 50 something places 55 places and man i really got i really wish we had a 10th tournament i do uh, but you know uh i do have an open left the last open of the year um and division one at harris chain so, you know, I've still got an outside chance of making the classic. You know, it, it's not over until it's over. You know, we just got to – I've won in Florida multiple times. Never been there in the fall, and that's actually one reason I decided to fish those, that division of the Open this year is because I, I would I, – I love Florida, and, and I've never been there in the fall. So, um, I, I'm really looking forward to that. And I'm going to go try to bring the heat and try to get in that classic, man. That's, there's nothing like it. You don't want to miss it. and you definitely don't want to go to work the show. <laughs> it, um, what was it like for you? I mean, I think most of your career, you know, definitely since coming to the elites has really been on cruise control. Like literally you showed up and can making a classic. Wasn't a threat. You know what I mean? Like you've always after the first four events to be as deep in the points, was it kind of, and I don't mean this in an arrogant way, but was it a little shocking to you or, or at the time, did you be, were you like, I, I took risks and this can happen? I mean, to an extent, yes. I mean, it was a little, it was a little shocking because I've never experienced it. Yeah. And, you know, things have went well, uh, or have pretty much always, once they started going well, they've, they've stayed that way. I mean, yeah, I'd have a bomb here or there, but, never four in a row and but honestly like i think it's a good thing i always try to take every negative and turn it into a positive so at subway i mean you know when we're our kids you know when they do something wrong you hope they learn from it yeah. so that the bad turning into something good and and i try to do that you know i think we all should do that in our everyday life and no matter if you're a fisherman or a whatever you do you know you sell cars or you kill bugs like i'm doing right now you, we're going to make mistakes we just need to learn from them so i took that you know 
and I, you know, we're always going to have things go wrong in our life. We just got to learn from them and, and move forward. And, you know, a few bad tournaments, you know, if I get kicked off of the elite, I, God, I don't want to. I hope that doesn't happen. But if that does happen, I'm still okay. It, it's, yeah, maybe my dream's crushed for the moment, but um, I'm still going to be fine. I'm still going gonna, gonna to go to work. I'm going to do something to provide a living for my family. It may not be what I want to do, but the big picture is taking care of your family and living a good life, and I know I'll still be able to do that. Now, that that doesn't mean I'm just going to roll over and die. Like, I'm going to keep swinging hard and fighting, but um, I think accepting, just accepting that, um was a big thing for me um and just helped me keep pushing forward and you know not not let me be down in the gutters you know what i mean yeah. you know have have some hope is that really something you worry about like are you i mean i don't think you're at a point where you are you concerned with your long-term no. abilities stay. I mean, you're not that deep in the, I mean, you've had one bad season, but some incredible seasons. Yeah. I'm not worried about it. And, and honestly, like I don't even know a hundred percent what the requalification stuff is. I don't worry about that because honestly, if, if I'm in that position, I don't need to be on the lease. And I mean, you know, that's just the way it is that uh, I'll be at, <laughs> I'd be better off doing something else anyway. Maybe it's not like once again, what I need to be doing or, or want to be doing, but I need to be doing something else. And, and, and it truly blows my mind. And I don't mean this in any arrogant way or any degrading way to anybody else, but there's so many people on so many different levels that, that, I, I feel bad even saying this, but this is just the way I look at it. They get their teeth kicked in constantly, all every tournament, every year. And if I get to that point, I'm going to hate life. Like, I'm competitive. I like to win. I like to be successful. And, and we all do. I get it. But to me, that's, I love fishing, like just fun fishing. But if I'm going to pay $50,000 a year, to compete and hopefully make some money. Like I've got to be making some money. Like I don't have enough money that I can just blow, you know, 50,000 in entry fees plus, you know, another 30, um, 30,000 just in expenses. I mean, it costs a lot of money to do what we do. And if I can't live with blowing that, I mean, you might as well just light it on fire. <laughs> yeah. So if I get to that point, I mean, where I'm going to get cut, that's, the situation I'm going to be in, I'm going to be blowing this money and um, not making any. So I need to be cut. Like not only for that, I don't deserve to be there at that point, but for my family, for my life, I need to be cut. You mentioned it already. So we'll talk about it. And I think it's a little known fact. I mean, you can go not a little known fact, but like, you go on chat boards and different things and social media and you'd be like, well, must be nice to be an elite series pro you guys, you know, all you ever do is fish, but you're working right now in the off season. Uh, what, what are you doing? And, and is this something, is this every off season you end up at it with a job? 
Yeah, so I work for my wife's uncles uh, doing pest control, JRA exterminating, and, you know, we go all over the South Carolina, really, you know, from Clemson area at Lake Hartwell uh, all the way to Clarks Hill and everywhere in between around Lake Murray. And, you know, it's not like I make a ton of money and pay the bills, but I'm a worker. Like, I have to be doing something. I've had a job since I was in sixth grade, so however old you are then, and I just don't see me not working, um, you know, and, and kind of backing up a little bit, everybody thinks, oh, you're a professional fisherman, you're filthy rich, and that's, you know, there are some that are that way. A lot of them that are, were filthy rich before they come a, become a fisherman, or they had <laughs> family money, or, you know, they're just on the top of their game and, and they are making it from, from career earnings and, and sponsors. And, and I mean, like I'm, I'm fine without working financially. Um, but I have to be doing something. It, either I can go fishing and spend a whole lot of money or I can go to work and make a little bit of money. <laughs> so it kind of backs up to what I was saying. You know, I just, you know, you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. I mean, you you just don't know. I mean, my wife could lose her job. I could get kicked off the lease. I could lose every sponsor that I have. And so it's like no matter how much savings you have, in one or two days, it could be wiped away. So I just I kind of live my life that way, and, and I don't sit around. I can't sit around. I would go crazy if I sit around. But I mean, let me some... tell you, it is kind of hard to go to work right now because Lake Murray is, it may not be, just forget about smallmouth fishing because that's, that's, that's a different world. <laughs> lake Murray, if it's not the best lake in the country right now, it's the best lake in the southeast, I promise you that. It's unbelievable. I mean, you can go catch a lot of fish and they're big. <laughs> it's it, it's awesome and i live a mile and a half from the boat ramp it's hard to kind of go to work every day i imagine so does the uncle a lot what is your you work for your wife's uncle is that what what you said yeah yeah are you allowed to go deal with some other pests like aquatic <laughs> pests every once in a while oh yeah i mean it's you know whenever i come on uh you know this will be my third yeah, my third off season working with him since we moved down here, and uh, yeah, I mean he, everything's flexible. I mean, just like right now, I'm I'm at work and I'm taking an hour to to do this show. I mean, he knows that my fishing job is number one, and whatever my job is for the day, I'm going to get it done. But it may be around my schedule. If I need off work tomorrow to go to a meeting or a tournament, whatever. I have that, and, uh, you know, I'm very fortunate with that, and, I, and I've always had that. Every job I've ever had, I've had that. Um, you know, before we moved down here, I worked with some good friends doing pavement marking yeah. uh, in North Carolina, and, and I, I had that. You know, you got to open, go try to qualify for the lease, take off nine weeks every nine weeks of that year, plus, I mean, that was just opens and three or four Toyotas, All-America. I mean, it was it was a busy year that year. And, you know, uh, now I'm not getting paid if I'm not at work, but, um, you know, I have that. Okay. You can be, you know, do what you need to do and come to work when you can. So speaking of 
your fishing business. How do you feel it's going at this point? I mean, regardless of this season, which again, you righted the ship to go from a hundred and something in points to where you're at, knocking on the door of the classic. I mean, that you had an incredible second half. So I wouldn't want to focus on it all being a rough year, but like in general, when you first qualified for the Elite Series, how do you feel it has gone for you business wise, competition wise, everything up until this point? I mean, I've been very fortunate in a lot of different ways. Um, I mean, I think I'm. I think I'm on my way to, to really making it. You know, I don't know that I'm actually there, but I'm really close. Um, I built some great partnerships and relationships with some companies. And, um, you know, last week I went down to Spro and got a lot of projects that we're working on, baits we're working on together. And, um, you know, we just released my sashimi swimmer with Spro, which is, it's a, it's a heron style bait. Like that's what it, made for it's in it's great in a lot of different situations but like it was it's such a good bait and a good seller right now we work on a lot of different things um completely different not even in the same line but i really got a good relationship with them as well as other companies as well but you know that's that's a big part of the business everybody a lot of people thinks it's just fishing or it's just fishing and promoting but there's a lot more to it than that and um you know it's not just promoting a, a sponsor or a sponsor's product it's promoting yourself to the right people to be able to get those sponsors and build those relationships that may not come tomorrow but it may five years down the road um and, and i mean i think in these last three years i think this is my third year on the elite like I've learned a lot and I'm the kind of person like you can give me a book and tell me to read it and it'll tell you exactly how to do something or you can tell me exactly how to do it or I can go do it myself. And I'm, I'm a hands-on kind of person. Like I tell people all the time, it's like, I don't, people ask me, Oh, how do you skip a jig? I don't know. You just do it. How do, I know I could I can't tell you how to do it. You just got to do it. <laughs> like, but then other people, like I know Thrift. I've seen him tell people verbally how to do it, and I can't do that. So you say you're close to making it. What well, what is making it? Like, how do you think you'll ever be at that point where you're like, okay, now we've made it? Like, what is that? Is that accomplishments? Is that a certain level of sponsors? It's what is making it? You know, I don't know. I mean, I, I think um, my goal, and the goal gets different every year to an extent yeah. or gets bigger, but my goal is to make enough money fishing where I'm comfortable not working. And, and like I said, I can't sit around. I've got to be doing something, but it, Every day I go fishing is going to cost me $100, and that's $700 a week. You know, I'm not going to go every single day, but that's a lot of money. And, you know, I get to the point with sponsors that I'm making enough money where that $700 a week that I blow, it, even though it wouldn't be blowing, it'd be in spending and investing yeah. into yeah. all of that. 
where that doesn't matter, then I'll feel like I've made it. I, I hope right now I'm not worried about kick, getting kicked off, and we've already talked about that. But, um, you know, if I do, oh, well. And But I think with – say I was to get kicked off, I think I'm valuable enough with – because I'm a bait guy. Like I, a lot of guys are, but, like, ever since I was – six or seven years old I've been tinkering and making baits and this and that I know there's really not very many things on the market there I don't know if it, obviously I wouldn't know if I didn't know about it but there's probably not very many things on the market that I don't know about and I know what makes certain baits do this and do that and a lot of guys look in my tackle box and half the stuff they see they've never even heard of so you know that's part of the relationship that I've built with pro and bringing unique ideas and stuff to, to them. And we've got to have some really cool stuff come to the market in the next few years that I'm really excited about. But, you know, if I do get kicked off or I, I one day I retire, like I still want to do something like that. And I, I think I'm in the position now that I can do so. Yeah. You've built those relationships and, Stop saying you're getting kicked off, dude, because you're so far from getting kicked <laughs> off. Like, damn, if you're worried about it, there's a whole bunch I, of people. I, Yeah, I'm not worried about it. I'm just saying because it could happen. One day yeah. it could happen. Yeah. And <laughs> who, knows? who knows? It could. It could, but um, I'm betting it doesn't happen for you anytime soon, dude. I mean, you you you've got a pretty good track record as it is. You said at the beginning, like, you need to focus on making top fifties and you need a few top tens throughout the season. How do you make that decision? When do you make that decision? Is that made in pre-fish or is that made during the tournament? You know, I think everybody has their own deal. You know, what works for them. Maybe, you know, I hear people a lot of times in practice, they just don't find it and say, Oh, well, I just need to back up and figure out how to make the top 50. That's not how I work. Like, I try to find every tournament I fish, I try to win it. And, you know, well, let me, I did, yes, I try to I win it, but whatever the best thing I have from practice, that's what I do, period. And maybe all of them are a little bit different. Maybe I have this deal that that's like the best deal, but it's a little bit higher risk. And then I have this deal that's like, this is, you know, I don't want to say guaranteed, but more likely that's yeah. probably not going to be, if it does work, it's not going to be as good of a finish where this, if it works, it'll be a higher finish. Now, when I come into that, whether it be a long run or going through rough water, whatever it may be, I'm still probably going to go to the best deal that's a higher risk, but mix in that more likely deal as well but yeah at the end of the day i try to do the have the best finish i possibly can in every tournament and you know a lot of tournaments i feel like i have i'll have the opportunity to win now lake murray like seminole i never thought i was on anything close enough to having a chance at winning but okeechobee murray santee I was doing the right stuff to win. It just didn't happen. It didn't work out. Um, you know, uh, Okeechobee, I mean, 
half half of the top ten was where I was at. But yeah. they got bit, and I did. And it was a crowd. It was like the crowd would go this way, and I'd try to go this way to try to stay away from the crowd. Which you know we would we would pass, but like they got bit, I didn't. <laughs> and uh, you know that's just the way it goes. And you know backing up, just like I said before, you just keep on keeping on and don't don't accept the defeat or don't accept the failure however you want to look at it but to an extent you do have to accept it and move on but learn from it at the same time so what i hear that all the time i mean conor mcgregor's famous line is you either win or you learn and and it's a great line and but but what is that how do you learn from a whooping like when you have one that's real bad what do you learn from that i think a lot of it is mental i mean for me this year it was mental um you know we kind of already went over that but at the same time you know you look back and analyze you know what you did wrong like going back to that seminal deal like i visually saw what i thought was where i was supposed to start yeah and i stopped well now i get in that situation again either i'm going to look for a better landmark and make sure that it's the deal or i'm going to look down my waypoint you know just little bitty things there's always something there's always something really small that a lot of people would not think about that would change the completely change the outcome yeah and um you know, and maybe it's, uh, you know, a technique that you're just use, you know, starting to use and you haven't really dialed it in with the rod and the line and the hook and everything. And, and that as well, you know, I don't really have a, uh, you know, story from that, but that is a situation that can 100% come into play where you analyze what you did wrong and try to try to get better at it, try to do it better. I mean, the scoping deal, you know, I don't even want to get on that, but like, I am. We will. What, I don't really want to. I've heard enough about it. I, I think the I, world's heard enough about I it. I agree. I agree. But it, but I didn't even mention it. And you brought it up, but can't finish your I'm thought. I'm going to say, we're going to, I'm going to say what I've got to say and we're going to yeah. put it to bed. All right. So I, for the last couple of years, I've, talk trash about it but at the end of the day it's here it's here to stay i mean it's i was i got behind it's been it's not like it come out yesterday it's been it's been a big deal for five years now four or five years and i just didn't really put the time in that i needed like i i now i feel like i'm really good at it i don't think i'm the best but i think i'm really good at it I've been decent at it, but I was almost like, man, I think we should ban it. But at the end of the day, it's been it's been here for five years. If you're going to ban something, you need to ban it immediately. People are have qualified for the elite because strictly because of it. There's a lot of guys that that I don't want to say that's all they know how to do, but it's it's almost all they know how to do. And they're really good at it, and they dominate with it. And they top 10 and top 10 and win and top 10 and then win some more. And But 
when they were they seen okay this is what fishing is they spent their time focused on that got really good at it qualified having success winning top 10 and winning top 10 and you can't take that away you can't that take that away from them now and now that i've accepted it I love. I mean, and even when I was a hater, I still loved it when it was doing it because it's so much fun and it's not just put it on and you go catch every fish like so many people think it is. It's far from it. Like it's taught us so much. Um, I mean, honestly, my Spro Shashimi swimmer, like the reason, the reason that bait is here is because of live scope. There's been that style of bait around for years, um, but. I visually seen at Lake Hartwell things that needed to be changed on a certain base and to dial it in to make it actually the deal. And that's how that bait come about. Um, I mean, that's just one example. I mean, Champlain, I've seen, seen them react to stuff different, pressures, and they move around and we're learning so much about fish and just the way they, the way they eat, the way they react, and the way they use the lake, the way they they do everything. We're learning that. We never would have done that. And fishing is getting tougher. In general, we may be catching more fish because of it, but fishing in general is getting tougher because of it at the same time. And uh, these fish are getting smart, and we just we've got to get smarter as they get smarter and just to learn new tricks and, and figure out how to make them bite. So do you, do you think that that had anything to do with you having a rougher season or, or you would not put that on it? No, 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 there's no excuses. I mean, little things that I either did wrong or just went wrong that's the reason my season went the way it was. Santee, I mean, there was one fish. I lost one giant, like at least an eight pounder. I'm not, it wasn't a 10, but it was, it was an eight pounder. I catch that fish. I make day three, you know, that's not yeah. a great event, but it's not a bad event, you know? And, and, you know, thinking back, I kind of tried to forget about it. I know exactly where it was. I know a lot of details of it, but I think it actually I think that fish actually broke me off because it went around the tree a time or two. I got him around the tree and then he went under the boat and he got around a stump and broke me off. Like I should have had my drag back down a little bit. Like when I seen it, I knew, I mean, I've caught those fish doing that, that same exact deal. I mean, I've caught hundreds of them down there doing that. And I don't think, I'm pretty sure that's the only one I've ever broke off. Knock on wood. And, when I hooked him, I knew that fish was caught. I was wrong because I made a simple little mistake. And, uh, yeah, you learn from it, back that drag up a little bit, and, and uh, you know, move on. Do you spend more time after a tough season assessing where things went wrong or more time after a good season, or is it the exact same? No, it's like. You know, we've got our schedule. This, the next event is what matters. During that event, or during that event, that's all that matters. And then 
if we have back to back, it might be a little bit different. But if there's a break, I've got a day to analyze it, to think about it on the drive home, and then it's it's in the past. Put it in put it in the back and forget about it. Remember what you learned, and then the next event's all that matters. Now here we are. We've got our schedule for next year. That's all that matters. Um, I, and now I won't do the one term at a time. Like I'll start, all right, this for this, this for that, this for that, this for that. I'll start planning all that. And whether it be just, you know, really a whole lot of things, but tackle stuff to rig up for that event, stuff I need to look for on Google Earth and this and that and on the map, all of that. So I have that stockpiled for each lake. But whenever we get close, you know, a week before the season, two weeks before the season starts, that first tournament's all that matters. And then when I'm done with that, it's the next one. So I don't get crazy. Like right now, I mean, this year's in the past. I've already know what I did wrong and know what I can do to to to, to do better in those same situations. Um, yeah, I think you just kind of don't dwell on the past or – let it keep beating you up or worrying about it just i've already had my chance to do what i needed with that yeah one me and you were texting back and forth when the schedule came out and i really enjoyed one of your responses because it doesn't matter when a schedule comes out doesn't matter where bass goes i mean there's going to be a bunch of people that complain the minority is going to be the people that are happy because, I mean, there's only nine events. So there's those people that live near those bodies of water, those people that are interested in those bodies of water be happy, but a lot of people will be upset. And that doesn't stop at anglers. I mean, you hear that from anglers, you hear it from viewers, you hear it from everything. But I asked your thoughts on the schedule, and, and you gave me a very different answer. Talk about that. So, you know, I've even today, like, I look forward to seeing the schedule. I mean, for several different reasons. I mean, I can go ahead and start my prep for next year, you know, like we were just speaking of, and Brittany can go ahead and start booking houses and all of that. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter where we go. It's still going to be a tournament. still going to be a winner. There's still going to be 50 guys that really suck, and then there's going to be 30 guys that suck, you know. And – um yeah, I mean, like this year looking at the schedule, I was like, oh, we got to go to the stupid Sabine River again. Or, well, <laughs> this past year, I guess I should say. Yeah. And, dude, that, that was one of my better finishes. Like, and, and backing up to that, yeah, I've been there. This is my second time. So the first time I was cussing it before, you know, way, a, a, six months before I ever showed up there. This stupid place, I don't want to go here. And I had a bad tournament, a really bad tournament. A lot of the season, I was like somewhat, not as not as aggressive with the hate, but I had the hate for it. And then, you know, after Santee, I started getting my mind back right and kind of accepted the sucking that I'd been doing all year go to lay lake actually had the opportunity to win it didn't win but a finish top five fourth fifth something like that i don't remember really good tournament um go to 
move on to the Sabine, I knew it wasn't going to just suck for me. It sucked for everybody. Even uh, um, who won? It wasn't Brock. Uh, Brock. Yeah, even it even sucked for Brock. It didn't look like it on paper, but it did. And just knowing it's it's the same for everybody. You know, we go to we go to uh, Ontario. I mean, every, oh, Chris and Corey are going to finish first and second. Well, Chris has won once. Corey's never won. They never win in first finish first and second. They get beat every time. So, well, I shouldn't say every time, you know, but they're always there. They're always knocking on the door, but you can't say, oh, somebody's got an advantage over me because you don't get to the elites for the most part on an accident. No. Um, So pretty much everybody out here knows what they're doing, and you just got to know that they're not better than me, you know. They may be last week or next week, but this week we're on the same field. I think that's one of the most important. I think it's one of those veteran things that, I mean, when we go to a stingy fishery like Sabine, you notice a lot of veterans do really good in that event. But I think it's because you almost have to go through that. You know, no matter how much somebody tells you, you know, hey, go there, you're going to, you know, it's going to be a stingier fishery, but it's like, to me, from the outside, it feels like you got to go through that a few times and then have that aha moment where you're like, wait a second. I mean, I'm going, someone's going to win and I might as well just come in this yeah. positive. Is, is that right? The way I'm reading it? Like, is that, is that why you're feeling that way? You know, your, your career is just maturing a little bit. It could be. I mean, I can't like, I think it kind of goes to like when you see your kids every day, you don't really notice them growing up. But when like my situation got a one month, a seven week old baby, like I'll go a day or two without seeing him or, you know, what like right before Champlain or while I went to Champlain and practice, it was about a week before I seen him. And then when I did, it was like, holy crap. So somebody from the outside looking in that isn't me with my career, they can maybe see that. But I think me being a part of it, I don't see it. But yes, I think you could uh, probably, yeah, that probably is a big part of it. And um, yeah, I just, you know, you just got to accept it. And it doesn't matter, man, we could, you know, at least you could call and say, "Hey, we're going to go fish the Gulf of Mexico next year." It wouldn't care. It wouldn't matter to me. I'd look forward to it, and and you know, I'd show up and figure out how to do my job. It's a great attitude. That's the right attitude, I would say. Because um, I mean, even weather, you see times when we'll have fisheries where the chatter starts about how rough it's going to be and how is it going to be canceled? Isn't going to be canceled? The it feels like the people they get wound up in that that becomes yeah. their whole event. I mean, it's just that, yeah. that, I mean, you got to focus on catching five fish because every problem in pro fishing gets fixed by just catching more. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I mean, you, you can't pick the cards you're dealt. So you just play the ones that you, when they're gave to you. So that first event you talked about, I think it was seven all. 
and where you could have gone to that spot and stopped early and another angler. How do you recover from that? Like when you have a bit of a war on the water, which I mean, to me, one of the biggest messed up things about pro fishing is many people just think it's a gentleman's club. And for years, everybody's the same. We're all vanilla. Everybody gets along and it's competition. And there's always going to be those moments in competition and and it's celebrated in other sports, but for whatever reason in fishing, it's like nobody ever can have conflict, but conflict happens. How do you recover from that on the water? Does that stick with you all day? Or are you, once it's done, it's done. Um, I hold grudges, and I mean that's not a good thing at all. But you know, you do me wrong, I'm not going to forget about it ever. Um, you do me wrong twice, and you'll do me wrong twice. <laughs> Let's just say that. But you know, at at the moment, like I have a job to do at that, you know, that day, and. We can have it out after, you know, after the day's over. We can have it out after the tournament's over and try to resolve it or speak our mind, whatever needs to be, however it needs to be handled. But at the end of the day, at that moment, I have a job to do. It's no different than losing a fish. You can't change it. It's in the past. You move on. Somebody comes in and cuts me off, jumps on top of me, sees me catching them and comes over there. I can't change it. I can speak my mind and do what I, you know, just do the best job I can with the situation that's at hand. And um, you, you can't let it eat you up. I mean, just, just you lose focus and ruin your day. You're not going to make the right decision. And, uh, you know, that's not the reason that I had a bad tournament there. Yeah. A huge part of the reason I had a bad tournament is I was, I screwed up and stopped a hundred yards early and it wasn't, I didn't intentionally stop a hundred yards too early. I just, I thought I was stopping where I'm, <laughs> where they really were. And yeah. I messed up and I've never done that. I've never, I mean, I have stopped too early before intentionally just to work my way into it. And, um, and had somebody come in, but you know, that's just part of it. But that situation, that angler, he was a hundred percent in the wrong. I would never do that to somebody, no matter what's on the line, but he's not the reason that I had a bad tournament. No, because if you had to sat down in the right spot, he couldn't yeah. have pulled in between you two. Um, right. It, it, how often does conflict happen? And not just with you, but how often do you think, there is conflict and in elite series events. I'm sure, you know, throughout the whole field, it happens every day. Yeah. You know, it, it, at least let me, let me back up at least the first two days when there's a hundred plus guys in the field. And, um, I tell you another thing that's happening that, you know, I spoke to another angler, um, that's been around a really long time that, doesn't like uh people around him <laughs> um we spoke of this and it's 100 percent it's happened so with the scope now just like these smallmouth tournaments and especially you know we're all out there just looking down and 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 going and we're essentially we're just constantly practicing yeah. the whole time yeah. we're constantly practicing but now it's so easy 
to get on top of somebody and have that for an excuse. Oh, I didn't even see you there. You know what I mean? Like St. Clair, you know, Anchor Bay, there were two two parking lots, and then there was a bunch of other people just randomly. Well, I had one place, the only the first three days, well, I only fished three days. The first two days, me, Brian Schmidt, and um, John Cruz were the only people I seen on that place. Well, come the third day, now that's not the only deal I was fishing, but that stretch, those were the only three people that fished it the first two days. Come the third day, there was a parking lot on. And you would then you would get in the, the big boat, and then they would be like, this guy's in the top 10 and this guy's in the top 10. Well, you would see people that were originally there, but they start gravitating to that guy. And yeah. that happened, that happened at Champlain a lot too. Um, yeah. It's a, and it's so easy to hide it and never even know, but you know, if somebody's doing it to you or if you wanted to do it, it'd be so easy for you to do it. And nobody would know you're doing, and that's sad. Um, but man, I I I try to live my life doing people right the way that I would want people to do me. I'm not perfect. I definitely 100 percent I do wrong things every day. But I'm never going to jump on somebody like that. The only reason I'm going to be on a place is because either either um hold on a second. It's got visitors. Yes, there's a lot of podcasts you can watch. Uh, very few okay. of them are as unprofessional and unscripted right. as this particular podcast. Okay. Yeah, just have him call the office. Take, right. Oh, those spiders can be ornery this time of year, too. <laughs> For those of you watching okay. the audio version. What's happening okay, right good, now is elite series champion Brian New is, is talking to somebody about their spiders and uh <laughs> he now returns to, to I, your I regular schedule program. <laughs> oh anyway. She's got an awful problem with spiders. Are spiders bad this time of year? Yes, they are. They are. Um been killing a lot of spiders here lately. <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah, you'll have to bring me back to where we were. We were talking about people t taking liberties with spots and things like that, and you were saying how you'd like to live your life the way you would expect other people to. You, you, you expect people to treat you the way you treat them type thing. I think that's where yeah. we're basically going. Yeah, for sure. And, and I'm, like, backing up. I'm not saying I've never done anything wrong because I do every day. We all do. and But – I can't live with myself. If I go win a tournament or if I finish and make the top 10 or any of that, that's great. But if I did it because I did somebody wrong, I can't live with myself. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's not the, oh, I didn't do it on my own thing. It's I did him wrong thing. That's what I can't live without or live with myself, you know, about. Um, I mean, I've, made top tens and done well because somebody helped me, gave me a little bit of, Hey, you know, we're, I'm catching them over here. If you get in a struggle, come on over, you know, everybody on the leaps have probably. Um, but 
if I see you or whoever, and I know you're catching them, and the only reason I show up there is because you were there, I I won't be able to sleep at night. Um, now, technique or something that might be a little bit different. Like if I, you know, if we're fishing the same area and I see you're throwing a crankbait and I've been throwing a chatterbait and you're kicking my teeth in, I'm probably going to pick a crankbait up. You know, that's completely different. I don't feel like that's jumping on somebody. Um, I, yeah, I just, and I'm not saying everybody does it, but there's a lot more of it that goes on than than should be. There should be none. Yeah. But and, and I understand like there's a lot going on. I mean, we got a lot of money invested. We're trying to do it to make a living. So people get desperate. But man, like if I have to do somebody wrong to pay my bills or to stay on the elite, I need to be doing something different. Yeah. I think it's easier now, just like you said, with the scoping, because things are so different, you, you know, like in the past, you knew, okay, well, dude, you started way out there. The shoal is right here. So you clearly didn't even know what you were coming yeah. to. Well, now the shoal, I mean, the spot is no yeah. longer even the spot. Like all the talk about the spot within the spot, like it was fun fishing the other day with a group of friends, several different boats, and we couldn't believe like this there's this area that we all had fished and it it was a break and a very obvious like when i had my 360 on it i'm like this is the perfect structure well none of the fish were on that they were all you know they're on that at some point but none of them were on it and they were out there so it becomes i think people you know what what is your spot well my spot is the whole lake the you know, they don't are. have a yeah. spot anymore yeah the fish, that fish is my spot. And when yeah. I catch him, that fish is my spot. And, yeah, I mean, it's it's amazing. I, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a different world now. What percentage of – now, this isn't throwing anyone under the bus, but, I mean, I, I want to know this for myself, just curious of what you think. Let's just say somebody who pulls onto a spot like that, let's just – say they're pirates. I mean, that word has been used many times in the past. How, what percentage of elite series anglers do, do we have as pirates? I mean, I don't know the percentage, but I know the guys that have done it to me. Um, actually there was one at, uh, St. Lawrence. And just to be clear, there's this, this one place, or I shouldn't even say it, Place, but this one area out in the middle of the lake that um, Austin Felix told me about last year. And after catching 15 pounds the first day, I go to this area and catch 24 pounds. Felix was there the first day. I'm there the second day. Well, on the way to this place, this certain angler was out that way, but not out there. This year, I don't, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I know, I know basically for a fact that there's no way this angler went there the first day of the tournament. I don't think it's possible to have went there the first day of the tournament because of rough water. I'm not sure that the angler even practiced on the river, the lake period that week uh, from some other things I heard that they had going on. Day two, I'm running to this area. 
uh, Felix is running this area as well, I see this same angler. That was out that way, but not out there. Um, I set my boat down. They set their boat down right beside me. Felix keeps running, sets his boat down. A few minutes later, said angler cranks up and runs to where Felix is. We all three make the top or make, you know, day three cut. Oh, like, I can't tell you for a fact. But that evening, I said, Felix, he said, I said, he pirated us today. He said, oh, 100%. Like, both of us, without talking to each other, knew that he did that. And, you know, they had a really rough year. I don't know. I don't think they got a check all year until that tournament. They had a lot of, you know, I know they've got a lot of personal stuff going on in their life, but that still doesn't make it right. You don't, doesn't matter what you've got going on. You don't do that crap to anybody in whatever you're doing, whether you're fishing or you're, you know, cutting grass for a living, you don't go try to take that guy's job from him. And 100% he pirated us. So, I mean, I've only got a handful of stories where that happened to me that I can say it definitely happened to me. But I'm, I think it happens every tournament. Yeah. There's too much money on the line for it not to. I mean, the sad truth is you got a lot of people – I always say, you know, somebody will rub a seven 11 for $500. They will yeah. go in there. They will put a mask on and they will rob a store for $500. So if you don't think somebody's going to take liberties for a hundred thousand or, and it's not even the money that you're winning. It's the money that you're trying to save. You know, you're spending $5,000 to enter an event. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. How do you deal with, I mean, in your situation, and I don't need names or anything, but, but, that happens to you. Do you talk to said angler after the tournament at the weigh-in, or is it never said and it's just put in the mental notebook that that's not one of the good dudes? No, I think it depends. I mean, I had all intentions of calling this angler and having a talk with him. I haven't. I mean, now we're, I don't know, three or four weeks away from it now. Um, and it really just comes to, like, I've got too much going on in my life. You know, new baby, new house, Braylon's playing volleyball. Just so so many things going on that I haven't done so. And I still really know that I need to do it. And, but if I don't, like, I'm not going to forget it. You know, I'm not going to yeah. forget it. And But I think the right thing to do, yeah, I think it is. You do need to call them out. Because if you don't call them out, one, they're going to keep wanting just because you call them out don't mean they won't keep doing it, but you know, it, it needs to be done. You, you know, and I, hopefully I do. There's a good chance they watch this and they'll know, I promise you they'll know who I'm talking. I'm talking about them. Um, cause there was only me, Felix and said angler there. Um, but you know, it's not like I hate you. I hope you die kind of thing. It's like, Dude, I know what you did. You know you were wrong. Don't do it again. And, like, I'm not going to just go jump on them but since they did it to me. Um, but it may lead to, you know, oh, well, I'm not going to let you have this, even though we're fishing the same spot. You remember that time you did me that way? Like, I'm going to do what I want to right now. Yeah, it's... Cause you, it, you can't, you can't make it right. 
And I'll back no. up. I'll give you one more example. And it's, it's, it's definitely a different, it's not a pirate deal, but at Pickwick last year, you know, there's only 20 schools on the whole lake. Every single one of us know about it. We hate fishing on top of each other, but sometimes we have to. That situation, if you're on a place that I want to get on, I'm going to pull up to, you know, talking distance. I'm going to set the boat down. Hey, you care if I come in? If you tell me yes, I come in. At that point, you have your every right to come in on me if that's where you were coming to uh, the rest of the tournament. If you tell me no, at that point, no, you, you, you don't come in on me. Don't even stop and ask. And me and Swindle wound up fishing the same place several times throughout the tournament. Both every time one of us would stop, hey, nope, come on in, come on in. Swindle would pull up, nope, come on in. But this one angler was on a place that I want to be on. I stopped, asked him, he said, yeah, I don't want you to come in. Well, I, that's perfectly fine. I left, went to another place. Me and Parasnik were, were actually both going to it. He got to it a little bit before me, sat down, idles over it. So I, you know, I know what he's doing. I just stop before it and wait on him to turn around to ask him, hey, you care if I come in? He turns around. He said, no, nah, come on. So we're both fishing it. The angler that told me not to come in with him, which I respected, had zero negative thoughts about him whatsoever. Hey, I don't want nobody fishing on me either, but those tournaments, that's how it is. He comes on in. And I, like, I gave him some words. And we actually parked beside each other at the weigh-in that day, that afternoon. He comes and starts being all apologetic. I was like, buddy, you knew what you were doing. You can't take, you can't, no matter what, you can't never take the pass back. I mean, yeah. you see somebody and you shoot them, you, you can't never unpull that trigger. It's done. Uh, we can move on, but that's done. You knew what you were doing. So that's definitely a completely different situation. That's not pirating, but it is. I don't know what you would call it. It's wrong is what it is. It's not cool. It's not okay. Yeah. I mean, there's. I think there's a lot of things that happen like that. So, you know, I mean, over the years, there's been – when we used to have big flotillas of boats, I mean, we don't have near as big – that's one of the – I mean, I loved the big flotillas because it was always it was like it was like bass fishing, and all of a sudden the state fair shows up because there was always all <laughs> yeah, different yeah. sorts of people out there. But um, the flotillas, like the amount of, I mean, there used to be hundreds of boats that would follow guys around. But now the live is it's not that way. But there were people when they had big flotillas that would literally nuke guys by just buzzing by. But for some people. Yeah. That's com competition. Like, I mean, I listened to a sports show earlier today and, and an NFL player said, and this isn't it. He, he was a college player and said the same thing, but he said, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying, but our sports different. Are we try to be different? Do we not? I, I do. I know yeah. I do like backing up. I can't sleep at my If I push the rule and don't get me wrong. Like, I try to do everything I can within the rules, but like, I'm not going to push the rules. You know, I've, uh, I mean, I've called Lisa so many times over the last few years asking questions is like, and then somebody was at the gas station. Oh, you need to go. Do you can't do that. Like, I, it, 
I just don't get that. I don't get it. And I don't get that if you're not cheating, you're not trying, or if you're not pushing the rules, you're not trying. That's bullshit. Yeah. Like, these are our rules. We, you know, yes, we're here to beat each other, but we're here to beat each other, not to sabotage each other, not to steal from each other. If I call and get information on wherever, I'm cheating. I don't deserve that. I'm stealing money from you. That should be a federal offense. I mean, it should be. I mean, you still, I don't know, ten, you steal $10,000. That's a federal offense if you actually go do it. So what's any difference here? Um, but if I pirate you and do wrong, I'm still stealing from you. I'm screwing you up. I'm messing with your job. Yeah. Why do you think we see more of that or hear more of that recently? It, is it is more of that happening? Is it today or are we just hearing more about of it because of social media? I think both. I think, yeah, I think it's definitely more of it's happening. I mean, look at the world. This is a screwed up world. It's sad to see that the world is what it is today. Nobody cares about anybody but themselves. And I shouldn't say nobody, but a huge population of the world, not just our country or my country. I'm sure your country is the same way, but the whole world, they think about their self, a huge population, and nobody else. If I screw you so I can get ahead, that doesn't matter. I got ahead. And it's sad to know that the world is like that. And it's just trickling down. And the crap that our kids are learning in school and on social media that's okay and all oh, this is fine and it's okay to do this and it's okay to do that and that these younger kids and i'm not just picking on them because it's like a lot of them just don't know better because that's what they've been taught and that's what they've seen so much and the world is getting more evil every day and it's bass fishing's not excluded from that yeah that's Sad, but very, very true. Um, the the level of stuff that's accepted is has totally changed, and and the celebration of negative, you know what I mean? Like that, you can do negative to be positive towards yourself. Like that has become is one of the grossest things in sports, like in any sport, if you ask me. Um, and and obviously this is the sport that I care about most. Let's get more positive though, because we went down kind of a weird little <laughs> mole hall. But it's not near as weird as some of some of the mole holes we we've gone down together in conversations are a lot worse than this. But what oh, is? Oh yeah. <laughs> what what <Very> is? <laughs> what is? <laughs> what is your favorite part about? your job on the elite series like what what is the moment that you're just like like when it's all said and done there's got to be a few moments that you'll sit on a rocking chair somewhere on a deck and be like man that was the coolest thing about my job you know there's so many cool things like i love getting to travel i love that part of let me go to some through a lot of dump holes you know <laughs> bad places that you would never want to see but like that's part of the traveling the experience the stuff you get to see we see some great places we see some terrible places but i love that i love meeting the people um you know whether it be just fans to to you and everybody that works for bass to, to anglers to 
you know, the the people in the industry that you meet. I love all that and building relationships with that. I love the competition. I love winning. I love, you know, and winning, like actual winning first place, it's definitely different. But if you make the top ten, that's sort of like winning as well. Yeah. You know, it's it, it, like it's not like other sports where, like, it's just you and against somebody else. Like, this a top ten is a big deal. And so making top tens, I love, you know, if I get in the top 50, it's been a decent tournament. But getting the top 10, it's been a great tournament. But then um, I thought I had uh, this thing on Do Not Disturb. Oh. <laughs> some kind of call. And spiders um, again. Yeah, spy, calling for <laughs> spider control. But, um, yeah, I mean – It'd be hard to put my finger like if you ask me right now to this point in my career, I mean it'd have to be winning my first elite, you know. Yeah. But but at the same time, that that was one moment, one day, uh, and and I have so many of those moments. Maybe not to that caliber, but I have so many of those moments, you know, every day, really every day, you know, whether it be. Oh, we finally got this bait right that we've been working on. I mean, that's that's a win to me. And uh, everybody kind of has their thing. Some people like to go play golf. Some people like to go deer hunt. I like fish and tackle. Like, I love the fish, but I love fish and tackle. Whether it's getting new stuff that I don't have or getting more stuff I do have or designing this bait to make it do something that nobody's ever been able to do. That's what I love. And whenever I can make something, design something that's like, dude, this is the deal. And it, and it not only is it actually a great bait. Well, let me rephrase that. Not only does it actually sell great, it actually is legitimate because there's a lot of baits on the market or have been on the market that sold tremendous, but they actually yeah. sucked, or they wasn't nearly as good as everybody thought they were. But I mean, I tell it, I I feel weird even saying it, telling all my friends and everybody how good the Shashini swimmer is. Like, it's like, dude, this ain't a sales pitch. It actually truly is this good. <laughs> and but at the same time, I feel like, oh, I'm just trying to sell you something. But no, it's reality. It's really that good. And. I, that's a big, you know, that's a big moment that I love, you know, making that final decision on that bait and it coming to that point and being that. Not only selling great, but actually being great. I think that's something that live and, and not just Bass Live, but like the live world we live in has changed in the way that if you took baits from 10, 15 years ago, I mean, in every every company has their hero baits and they're ones that are lesser you know what i mean you they're not all going to yeah. be on par but i feel like baits in general have gotten better on average because number one guys aren't going to use it if it doesn't catch them and 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 as baits like max scent have proved they don't have to be sponsored by you to use those baits yep. if they're catching them and also, I think it's not just that live, but it's the live of, like, consumers have a voice. Like, 20 years ago, if you hated a bait, 
there was no real voice. You know what I mean? No. You told your buddies and you stood around a tackle shop. Well, now, I mean, there's people that make livings off that, just like reviewing yeah. baits and stuff like that. So I think it's actually pushed the market to get better. Do you agree? Yeah, I do. I, I, I do because, I mean, um, I mean, you basically kind of covered it. Like, if something sucks, everybody can tell the whole world that it sucks nowadays, not just they you don't have to go actually buy it and find out for yourself you know i'm still probably going to do that and make sure for myself because what i think sucks and what somebody else thinks sucks might be two different things but um you know there is no lying anymore you can't say oh I, this is the bait i was catching or i was catching them on a chatterbait when i was actually catching them flipping a tube you know yeah there is none of that anymore, um, which is good. I mean, I think on that aspect, it's made us more honest, um, which is good. Um, but yeah, and and I tell everybody, every partner that I ever before I ever just sign a deal with, like, I'm going to use what I need to use to do my job, and but I'm going to do my job for you as well. I'm not going to lie and say I'm using this. But give me, I'll have my opportunities to do my job for you, but I'm not going to lie for you. And I've never had anybody not think that was okay. And, um, and I think that's, you know, I don't know that everybody tells their partners that, but I think there's just not just myself. I think in general, there's a lot more truth behind what people are trying to sell now. Yeah, uh, I think so. I think there, I mean, there has to be, it, it's, it's just an evolution of how that all has happened. I mean, everything's right in front of everybody. And that's, I, I honestly think as much as people slight on social media, that's one of the coolest effects. It I mean, it's people are more real than they've ever been in history. Like literally like go listen to an interview with a professional angler from 20 years ago. I mean, you're like, where do these people grow? I mean, everybody's perfect. Like there's never, yeah. and, and that's just not how the world is. Um, but, uh, so what your attraction to baits and, and being that way, has that always just been like to find something that other people don't have, or you're just obsessed with the sport and I, that element of it? I think that's how it started, you know? Yeah. Um, but man, like I am obsessed, like that's really like, I think about fishing, getting better at fishing and my family. And that's, that's it. That's it. Literally. He's, and I do think about now, and it's kind of weird for me to even say this because I don't feel like I'm anybody different than, because I'm not any different than anybody else. Um, I put my pants on the same way as you do and these guys that nobody's ever heard of, but I do have a platform now and I have a broader voice than I've ever had. So I do, I do care. That's something else that I really care about is trying to do a little bit just to make something better. Just, uh, you know, I helped out a little bit, um, with a uh, river sweep on Lake Murray this weekend. And, you know, I was able to voice it and get it through, get a lot of people that didn't even know about it 
uh, you know, to come sign up and, and be a part of it. Um, and a lot of different things like that, 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 that mean a lot to me. I mean, fishing, my family, let me rephrase it, my family fishing and then trying to make a difference somehow. Um, those are really the, the three things that matter to me. Well, I think you, I think you're making a difference. And and one of the things I, I love about you, dude, is you're, you've, from the moment I met, you've kind of been unapologetically yourself. You are, you are who you are. And those are the kind of people that I always get along with. But one of the things, and I've never really asked you about this, but one of the things I love about you is, is, Dude, a lot of your success and a lot of the growth in this sport, you took a different route. Everybody talks about college fishing and everything, but you fished the back of the boat for a long time. So I've never asked you this, but what is the most ridiculous thing you've ever been? You don't have to throw a name out there or anything, but as the back of the boat, I mean, you want to hear the truth that happens in tournaments. You talk to somebody who's been in the back of the boat of everybody, and you've pretty much done that. Tell me the wildest experience you've ever had on the back deck of a boat. Oh man, I mean, wildest or dumbest? Wherever you want to go. <laughs> so there was, it was an FLW event at Lake Okeechobee. I drew this uh, angler, and it had been the second or third time I had drew said angler, and like we blast off from Roller Martin come out, go into the west wall like an eighth of a mile, basically, <laughs> and just cut through the Kissimmee grass and run and just sit down in the middle of it. It's like, what are you doing? And I mean, like, it was clueless as can, clueless can be. I mean, even like I, I knew that when I seen the draw. So fish a little while go to get on plane the water's down too by the way this year and we're idling out and the angler's trying to get the boat up on plane i was like trim your jack plate constantly getting trimming the jack plate down trimming the jack plate down shallow water trying to get on plane i looked i said trim your jack plate up you know we'll be able to get on plane they looked at me said you may not believe it, but I do know what I'm doing. There's something like that. <laughs> and um, all right, have at it. I don't think we've said a word since. <laughs> oh, it was, uh, wow, wow. But, I mean, I don't know. I've had, I've got tons and tons of stories. Uh, I've got one. It just wasn't me, but it was a friend of mine. Oh, those are the best. Because you'll tell me the truth. Oh, God, I've got several that I can tell, but this one I'm going to tell. Come on. It was at Santee Cooper. He was a co-angler. Drew out with this angler and, uh, like, brand new, flawless, everything, top of the line boat. It's actually 2014, and it was like, I don't know, probably a $100,000 boat then. I know that's somewhat common now, but back then it was like, oh, my God. Shows up, went to step in their boat, and he goes crazy take your shoes off oh my god what are you doing so he's like okay so he took his shoes off i think he had to fish barefoot all day because he couldn't step in the guy's <laughs> boat with the shoes on and he had like i remember he said 35 pound test 
camo monofilament on this rod. We're at CNT now, out in the middle of tall call. The trolling motor was like on constant. He didn't hit the button to go. He had it on the constant button on all day long, no matter what. When he'd sit down to retire, still going, still going. Come on. This, he tied a 10XD on 35-pound mono, camo mono, and was just throwing and reeling, throwing and reeling on constant. And he sits down to retire, and my buddy's just doing what he could, you know. He looks up and said, we're about to hit the dock, bud. And uh, the guy's like, oh, I'd be fine, whatever. And he said, no, like, we're actually fixing to hit the dock. So he looks up and he goes to scrambling and scrambling, hits the dock, fell down. The, the boat's starting to spin in a circle now. It was the god awful story you've ever heard. <laughs> thank God, thank God I wasn't in that boat. I never had a story that good. Oh, you've had some good ones though. I mean, what about what about you? You and John Cox are blood brothers <laughs> for life, are you not? Yeah, yes, we are. So uh, back in the day, you know, FLW, the, I think it was the top 10. You had to fish out of their boat, which, whatever. That was crazy. I'm glad I didn't ever have to do that. But so day four, top 10, Smith Lake, where we're going next year, um, me and John Cox were fishing, or he was fishing. I was sitting there watching trying to stay awake and uh he goes to make a move and it's funny because i remember like we're we're running you know he's always ran an aluminum boat i shouldn't say always but at that point he had been doing it for several yeah. years and we're just cruising i mean 50 miles an hour tops and uh you know those tour boats were used and abused and the people that rigged them didn't know what they were doing so i don't know if any of that come into the play but I've never seen this happen or heard of it happening, but me and Anthony Gagliardi were texting back and forth, and, you know, I'm in the passenger seat, uh, Cox is driving, and I'm looking down at my phone responding to a text, so I wasn't looking up. I didn't, wasn't looking at the steering wheel. I don't know exactly all of that, but I knew we were making a slight left-hand turn, not going fast, like I said, 50 tops, and I'm texting, and all of a sudden, the boat grabs and throws me over. I fall, I'm still like, I'm bear-hugging my phone now, you know, death grip. And uh, I got almost all the way to, like, John's seat, and I'm, you know, I'm starting to bring myself back. And then it bites again, and, of course, it throws me a lot harder that time. I hit John, like, my right shoulder hit his left shoulder. And the next thing I know, we're in the water. I think what happened was, I think I actually pushed him in. I don't think he would have went in. But <laughs> he, I pushed him in, go in over over top of him. Come to find out, the boat went over top of both of us. The skeg hit him uh, in the leg. That's another reason you wear a kill switch. Yeah. And... um. So I was like, oh, my God. I swim to the surface, look around. Oh, there's the boat. So I swim to the boat, 
crawl up back at the motor. I'm looking around for Cox. I don't see him, and about that time, his head pops up on the other side of the motor. So I grab him, pull him in. We both look at each other like, dude, what the hell just happened? I really wasn't that freaked out. He was really freaked out, but I didn't get hit by the skeg either. He did. So we had a chase boat. He'd come over there. He's freaking out. He thought we were both dead because the boat went over top of us. And uh, he said, I'm done with this. Like, I'm take, I'm, I'm not driving this boat anymore. <laughs> so there was a ramp right there close by. Somebody brought the truck and trailer around. And we both wound up going to the hospital because, uh, honestly, the only reason I went to the hospital is because I had a car fall on me. I was pinned under a car changing my mom's oil a week and a half before. So I broke my Dang. collarbone. So I broke my collarbone. A week and a half later, get thrown out of a boat, and I didn't want to have to pay to go because I was supposed to go get a checkup in a few weeks to make sure it was healing right. And I didn't want to pay for it myself. Well, I was under workman's comp at that point because uh, I was working for FMW, so I was like, "Oh, I'm definitely um, working for you. This happened because I was working for you. I'm gonna let you pay for making sure I'm okay." <laughs> And, uh, you know, I was fine. Everything was good. And, yeah, um, I think Cox actually went on to win the cup that year. Well, I think that was the same year. Thank God you're both okay because two yeah. of my favorite people. I mean, I'd heard that story from John, and I remember the story. Like, I remember it, you know, being the thing that I read about, you know, post-tournament. And then it got real hush-hush probably because of corporate yeah. involvement. Yeah. Um but I totally had forgot. I, I guess I probably didn't know you at the time, right? And probably I read not. your name as part of it, but didn't know you. And then when I finally figured out it was you two in the boat together, I'm like, <laughs> man, that's it's crazy. It's, it's kind of crazy. It really is to think back, like, the way things have happened. And that happened to me and him. And at the same time, and here we are competing against each other. And then... Uh, the classic that Casey Casey Ashley won at Hartwell, like I, you know, get his Brandon, yeah, yeah, friend of yeah, mine. Of he was in my wedding, like he was working for JM at that point. He called and said, "Hey, can you come be a a boat driver? You know, for um for the classic." And I didn't really know what it told, but I showed up, and the only thing I did, I took uh Zona and Tommy out and showed them around the lake for a couple hours, and and you know. I'm nobody. They don't know me in here. And then I show up to the leagues, win my first tournament, and you know now we're buddies. And they're like, "You remember that time at Hartwell? That was me." <laughs> it, it's cool how that stuff works out. Yeah, very cool, very cool. So this year, no sucking, right? That's the plan. That's the plan. I mean, you know, kind of. You asked me what I thought about the schedule, like. It doesn't matter what the schedule is. I think I'll like it no matter what, but I really do like it. I like the fact that we're starting in Texas. I've said for years, even back when I was a co-angler, that we need to stop starting in Florida every year. I mean, that's – that's and don't get me wrong, I've, I've won it's two been big good. tournaments starting in Florida. I love it. But I'm so excited to start somewhere other than Florida and actually get to go to Florida when it's – actually supposed to be really good i've got a lot of friends that live in florida i've heard for 15 years how good it is and 
in March and April and May. And I think we're going there, I think, April, something maybe like that. So I'm really looking forward to that. It's going to be a little bit different deal, a whole lot different deal, I'm sure. Texas is going to be a completely different start. I love fishing cold weather tournament. You know, that's, that's going to be cold weather tournament. I'm sure there's going to be some wind and some rough water involved. But, uh, yeah, I'm really looking for that. I uh, I love pre-spawn fishing. That's kind of something that I got really good at uh, growing up, you know, fishing the lakes I did. Of course, they're completely different style of lake, but it's still pre-spawn. I love that cold water cranking deal. Um, a lot of things. I'm really looking forward to that. Sounds good. Sounds and, good. And I get to sleep in my own bed again on the greatest lake in the southeast. But you know, but a much make, different make, finish make, this time. I hope so. God, I hope so. It needs to be a lot better, at least. Um, make sure you call Lee Livesey and let him know that uh, Lake Fork might be the best lake in the South Central, but Lake Murray is definitely the best in the Southeast. See, the thing I like about you, dude, is you'll walk on the stage at Lake Fork and piss <laughs> everybody off in East Texas. Like, all of Texas wanted you. Um but you don't back down like, you know, and a, a more sane person would, I'm never talking about Lake Fork for the rest of my life, but, but, but you, you, you stick, you're a man of your word. You know, I say what I think and at times in my life, it has got me into trouble. There'll be more times in my life. that will get me in trouble, but you know, the whole deal is just a big joke really. Yeah. And, uh, but no, I mean, if, if I say it, I mean it, you know, I really do. <laughs> now there may be things I'm joking about, like the whole Lake Fork deal. And, you know, I know I've, I've told you at least personally, I don't know publicly. I know I've told it publicly before. I don't know where, but the whole deal with the Lake Fork thing, it's a phenomenal lake. I mean, it, it truly is probably the best largemouth lake in the country. Um, but, in my eyes, it's not a tournament lake. Yes, there's been a lot of elite tournaments there. There's been other tournaments there. But in my eyes, brand new, that's the only person I can speak for, it's not a tournament lake. And I'm not hating on bass for going there. I'm not hating because we're going there. But I do know that there's no way you can be 100% accurate when you have 100 different scales weighing on the water if you catch a, a world record fish and you weigh it on the water, it'll never be certified because yeah. it has to be on dry land. And you can go back and watch any of the footage. I know you've seen it. I know you've heard it. I know I've told you this before, but every one of us weighing those fish, there was very few of them that actually ever settled. And it's just not if you if I finish second or let's say I win and you finish second and I beat you by one ounce, two ounces, four ounces. Did I win or did you win? On paper, I won. I got the check. I got the trophy. But real, realistically, you very well may have won that tournament. And not only that, and this is the side that like a lot of people probably not won't talk about, but it is a reality. Like there is a, a chance that you can cheat 100%. You know, you get somebody in your boat, I get a big brand new fan, oh, this is my, my favorite angler in the world. Like, I want him to win this tournament. 
and I go catch 14 pounds and I mean, he could put down and you know, if me and him were wanted to not saying I would ever, or not saying anybody else on the elites would ever do this. You could cheat up and down with that deal, with that format. And I just don't like that opportunity being there. That's so it's not my like four. It's the, it's, it's the catch way and release. Yes. hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah. No, Lake Fork's awesome. It does suck that you have to deal with a lot of the stuff you have to deal with there. But no, Lake Fork truly is awesome. But I'm going to talk trash about it till the day I die just because. <laughs> well, I mean, that makes it fun, though, too. I mean, I, I, as a big wrestling fan growing up, I love it when the crowd boosts somebody. And, <laughs> um, and you, you def, I mean, the only person probably got booed louder than you that day, and it didn't happen that day, but was at this year's classic when, um, I don't know if you noticed this, but like, I, it was shocking how deafening the boos were. Canterbury weighs in, is very close to winning the Bassmaster Classic. You know what I mean? Like, loaded the hot seat, and I forget what where he finished, third, fourth, somewhere right there. And um, does his speech, you know, and, he, and I'm like, well, you're going to load our hot seat. And right before he goes to load, he's like, one more thing, roll tide. <laughs> and all of Tennessee booed him. And I was like, man, that's the first time I've ever seen somebody load the hot seat and get booed on the way to the hot seat. But I, I think he was, I think he'll stand by yeah. that as well. Yeah. I wonder. No, I'll just leave it alone. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just leave it alone. I wish you wouldn't. I mean, generally the things that people that watch the show really like are the ones that the things that people feel they shouldn't say, but do say, but you've done a lot of that today. And, and Hey, Spiders ain't gonna kill themselves. You got a busy day ahead no, of you, I'm sure. No, no. I'll 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 give a hint. I'm not gonna say it all the way, but I will give a hint. We have talked about Canterbury without saying his name today. Oh all right. Yeah. All right. I'll <laughs> let people figure all that out. Yeah. <laughs> he well, wanted anyway. The one and only Brian knew. Um, dude, you're always great to talk to. I appreciate your openness and honesty and, um, go out and get him in 2024. Don't suck because it sucks. Yeah. It, it always sucks to suck. Oh, uh, <laughs> I'm man. I'm jacked up. I'm excited, but you know, I, I'm, I'm excited to go fish that open, you know, hopefully, hopefully win that thing. Number one, to win. And number two, to get in that class, man, I, I've, even before, you know, since I've been on the lead, I've made the Classic every year until this year. I still have that chance to keep that streak alive. I really want to do it. It'll be my fourth Classic, and I think, yeah, it would be my fourth. And, uh, man, I love I love getting things ready for next year. Uh, I'm actually right down the street from Newberry, South Carolina right now. I've got three more jobs, it looks like. And then I'm going to go stop by the Falcon plant see how my new boat's coming along. I think my new uh, Yamaha was delivered today. So we're only a couple days away from having a new Falcon. Yeah, I, you know, that's a cool thing. I only live 22 miles from the plant, so I get to go over there. And I actually, you know, I planned on doing it this year, just wasn't able to make time. But one day I'm going to go build my, actually build my own boat, be a part of every 
every step of the process. And, uh, yeah, I guess that's kind of where I got to, you know, work on actually making it so I don't have to do this. And then I'll have time to go, uh, you know, go over to Falcon and build my own boat. Build your own boat. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. I mean, I guess probably only Gary Klaus can claim that. I mean, yeah, I'm I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, man, it's always fun. Always good. Always good to talk to you. Uh, enjoy a off season of killing spiders and changing diapers and, uh, all that stuff. I know we'll be talking. Um, but you're always welcome here, dude. You got anything to say anytime you're always welcome to say it here. Oh, well, thanks for having me, dude. It's fun as always. And, uh, I guess I better go get back to work. You know, um, I don't guess I really have to, but I'm going to, cause I need to go by Falcon before they close here in a couple hours. All right, go, go, go smush some spiders. How, how do you actually, is it just a spray? Is that how you take care of the yeah. spiders or what? Yeah. Yeah. Spiders. Yes. I mean, what's the, the worst thing to take care of? Like, what is the um, thing when you see it? Like I got to do this. I don't do snakes period. If we get a snake call, I'm not going to it. <laughs> um, yeah. I, it's not that I'm like, if I see a snake right over there and it's over there, I'm fine. But, Whenever I'm not getting close to it, no. Put it out. I and think that just makes you smart. I te- so, you know, we do a lot of uh, termite inspections and crawling in crawl spaces and termite treatments and just, so I'm in crawl spaces a lot. I mean, I've been in like seven already today, and I've got four more to go. <laughs> and um, there's at least in the south, probably everywhere, but I've only experienced them in the south. There's probably not very many crawl spaces that don't have at least one snake in them. Whether you see them or not is a different story. I, I don't. Yeah. Do, I don't like snakes. I mean, I live in a country that doesn't have any. I mean, we've got poisonous snakes, but they they just kind of make you sick. They're like give you a hangover for a little while. Yeah. I don't have. <laughs> I'm, uh-huh. I don't like them though. I don't like them. Uh, fortunately, I've never seen anything other than you know. Uh, black snakes under under a house i'm sure other ones get under there but as far as under while i was under that's all i've ever seen knock on wood don't go get bit by any snakes or anything and we we will chat soon it's always an adventure with the one and only brian new (laughs) all right buddy see you I promised you he is always open and always honest, and that was Brian New. From South Carolina, we travel all the way to Colorado, where we hook up with Jake LaTondres with this week's Jake's Take. The last opened up. No, I'm an idiot. See, I can't do this. I'm bad at this job. The third last open, I guess, was this past weekend in Watts Bar. On Watts Bar, not in it, but, I mean, you can say whatever you want. And we have Jake's Take because Jake LaTondres was there. Hopefully you're better at reporting on this event than I am introducing it, Jake. Yeah, we weren't in Watts Bar, but sometimes it felt like it because it was raining so hard. I mean, it was like it was it was pouring rain on on Saturday. And when when we saw it coming, that was like the talk of the morning. We all got to the ramp um, at Watts Bar. Of course, this was out of Kingston, Tennessee, 20 miles from Knoxville. um, And it was pretty cool having. Bobby Lane, there's a bunch of young kids, you know, at the at the top of the leaderboard. And then you've got Bobby Lane and Ishman Rowe 
making their big comeback into the Bassmaster world, and they were both in the top ten. So it it was I was totally excited uh, to be a part of this this whole uh, final day of the Watts Bar Open. Is that why you're wearing the big T hat? No, I'm wearing the big T hat because I'm a huge Tennessee fan. Clearly, and I was, if you're wearing it I today. Did, yeah, and and I spent I did spend time with my buddy uh, Archer in Knoxville, watched the Tennessee Florida game and the CSU CU game and all, all that stuff. But I ended up buying me some uh, Tennessee apparel and and my kids Tennessee apparel while I was there. So yeah, I'm doning the big big power T baby. I'm slowly becoming a college football fan. I mean, at one time on this on this podcast, I said it was the worst. I'm still a huge NFL fan, but I'm starting more and more. But but here's my question to you before we get into this open. Okay. If I'm a college kid, I don't want to play anywhere, anywhere <laughs> other than Colorado. Like, dude, to say one dude can change things. I mean, he Deion Sanders, what he's doing is literally changing the history of the game and it, dude if you're watching if you're a recruit you're like well i i, I want to go there a hundred percent and like he's you know a lot of people say this is all about him i've actually talked to some students that go to see you i live 50 miles from boulder and i know parent parents in my neighborhood that have children that go there and they're like yeah i don't know about dion this is he's making this all about him but at the end of the day if you're recruiting top recruits out of high school or even trans the transfer portal you do make it all about you as the head coach because at the end of the day i believe that he's making this about the 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 young men that he's facilitating into life and he's teaching them how to work hard, how to do, how to be a professional, how to present yourself in front of a camera, how to deal with the limelight, the pressure, all that stuff. And I think as a dad, I mean, I would want my son to play for Deion Sanders, man. He's cool. Yeah. No, like it, it. it is awesome. Um, it, it, he talked on game day, actually, I guess he tried to come to Auburn, which is like, he wanted he to did. be right in the middle of it. And, and I mean, they ended up hiring Hugh freeze over <laughs> Deion Sanders. <laughs> Good job. Good job. Um, <laughs> Steve Kennedy. I, again, I don't know much about college sports, so I do not want to tiptoe my feet into that battle, but it, it's amazing to watch from the outside. Um, but tell me about the open, because the other thing that's amazing is the kid that won this, Zona likes to talk about people being his spirit animal and stuff. I do not know Tyler Williams at all. I mean, I literally texted him this morning on Instagram to to tell him congratulations. Don't know him at all. But from what I've seen of him, he may be my spirit animal. I mean, if I made the Elite Series or won a Bass Tournament, I, I mean, dude is a train wreck, but a wonderful train wreck. So he told me at the ramp – uh, before takeoff it was like an hour before takeoff and I walked down there just to say hey to everyone and introduce myself and and he told me I said how'd it go yesterday he said well it was kind of tough because he had some sort of power electrical issue in his boat the night before he plugged his boat in to charge all of his batteries when he got to the boat ramp on Saturday morning for championship Saturday he discovered that none of his batteries charged. So to, I don't know if it was to conserve battery or what, but he spent, I'm sorry, let me back up one day. This was on, on Friday. He, his batteries were dead on Friday morning from Thursday night charging. 
And so he had to manually turn his trolling motor the direction he wanted to go and had to fish through that adversity all day on Friday and still made it to championship Saturday. So that was an interesting little nugget that, that, you know, he gave me, but I didn't really get to interact with him, but I did hear on calm throughout the day that like he was really entertaining. The guys in the studio were saying, Oh, this dude's great, man. Let's get him, you know, let's get him some more airtime. He's, he's just, he's killing it right now too. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. He was uh, a great champion and it's cool to see that kind of outward excitement. Just, just, I mean, he was very relatable. He's, he's from Maine. He's uh, a good dude. Um, and I don't know how he's doing in the EQ points. I know he's fishing them all, but uh, I'm excited to have him on the Bassmaster Classic stage. And I hope to have him on the Elite Series at some time because um, he's 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 a lot of fun to watch. The, you know, I mean, if, if anyone out there is wondering, you know, what the difference is between the Opens and the Elites, there's a huge difference. You know, there's a, adjustment, those technical differences between anglers from that level of the elites to the opens. But at the same time, there's a bunch of really young, I'm going to call them kids just because of my age. There's a bunch of young kids in the opens that are killing it, crushing it right now. And it's, you know, it's interesting, especially, <laughs> I hate to bring the F word up again, but especially with the, you know, all the talk and controversy about front-facing sonar and all that. And all these kids are moving up from, you know, their high school to college to the Bass Nation into the Opens and all the phases of bass fit, professional bass fishing that you have to go through to get up into the elite ranks. I mean, I mean, there's a lot of kids out there that know what they're doing, know how to use their electronics and they're, that are, that are, really making their move into the, you know, up to the elite level. It's pretty, it's pretty cool to watch. And when you see someone like the McKinney kid and, and the Williams kid, they're, they're, I mean, they're kids <laughs> and, and it's, it's, it's eye opening. Yeah. Actually, just to make our show more professional, I checked where he is in standing 17th in EQ points. So, I mean, there's a, there's it's a shot for him left. to make, Make the Elite Series, already qualified for the Bassmaster Classic, so uh, I say make it happen, Tyler Do you Williams. still have that pulled up? Yeah, I do. I do. Uh, where's what Bobby Lane? Because he moved up. His top 10 he's, moved him up into the teens. Yeah, he's he's in 13th place. Okay, that's perfect because we've got two events left, Lake of the Ozarks, this coming uh, Sunday is championship. They've moved it because of the back-to-back -back open events. So instead of having championship Saturday for this coming open, it's going to be championship Sunday. And, you know, Bobby Lane, I was in his boat on Saturday at Watts Bar, and it was uh, not only refreshing and sort of we had some catch-up conversations, you know, to talk about, um, but it was really cool to see how hungry he is to get back into the Bassmaster Elites. And he's got two events left. And, of course, his home pond is Harris Chain, basically. And so, you know, he wants to do well at Lake of the Ozarks. But at the end of the day, if he doesn't, he's got Harris Chain in his back pocket to, you know, make one last big run for a top nine um AOI finish in the opens to qualify for the elites. And he's pumped about it. I mean, he's, he really is truly excited to come back to bass. I'd love to see it happen for him. And, and if you look at him, I mean, he's literally two spots out right now because in the top 10 
is Kenta Kamira. Kenta. Mm-hmm. Kenta's already on the Elite Series. Mm-hmm. So they'll go down to 10th. And your top 10, just for everybody to know, JT Tompkins, John Garrett, Trey McKinney, Kenta Kamira, which, I mean, we'll finish there, but it will go down another spot. Robert G., Brett Cannon, a incredible Texas angler. Keith Tuma, former classic qualifier. Wesley Gore, Jacob Bigelow, Kyle Austin, and Logan Parks. That'd be your top 11, I guess, because that's where we go to. Or no, we go to our top 10. Well, Logan was on the show last. Anyways, there, there's your reporting. That's the most official we're going to get on this show. But um, Kanta, tell- you know, Kanta had a top 10 on Harris Chain. Was it last year? In the at the elite, so yeah. he knows Harris Chain, and to me, that's an that that's an advantage for someone like Bobby Lane or Logan Park sitting down there at the bottom of the top ten or top fifteen with two events left. Kenta holds a spot for someone else to move up in case they're not in that. It's the top nine, right? Yeah, yeah. top nine move into the to the uh, qualify for the elite. So that's kind of an open spot for one of the, you know, 10, 11, 12 or 13 place uh, guys to move up one spot. That's what I just said. Do you listen to I a damn word? Put well, that I was, just saying, I, was and... I was relating that to Kenta Kamira's top 10 finish at Harris chain in the elites. Okay. So he does what well, he does well there. All right. Well, you got anything else for us from this open? Anything stand out to you? I mean, you've seen one of the big talked about topics. Coming into the season was the switch to nine. You got to fish all nine to qualify. How do you feel? How different are the opens? I mean, you're you fish. You were just covering one of the final three opens, the third last open. All the pressure is now on those that group of guys. They're all trying to make it. How different is it for you? Are for you me? For well, me? not for you, but like, what are you seeing? What is the yeah. difference? I got to learn how to talk today. <laughs> so. You know, Bobby and I talked about this and I actually talked to Ish a little bit about it as well. And Bobby, one of the things that, you know, he started out slow this year in the opens in his, in his first two or three events. And I asked him why, I said, why do you think that happened? He goes, I just felt so much pressure, you know, after not doing well in the first one, he started asking himself, you know, did I make the right decision? You know, what am I doing? And then as, as the season rolled along, he started to just basically just go fishing again and have fun with it. You know, he's an, he's a, I mean, relative to everyone else, he's an, an older guy at the, in the professional fishing ranks and he just had fun again. And that's when he said he started doing well. And, you know, I talked to Ish as well before he put in uh, on Saturday morning and he talked about how much pressure he felt as well. And one of the big differences uh, you know, between or amongst the young guys and the, the the older guys that have been there before is their level of calmness and their there's their intense, you know, their intense inside mentally because they're focused on what they're doing. But the outer shell is just like it's another day, another tournament day on the water. And that's how I have to that's how I have to look at this to be able to fish the way that I want to fish to compete at this level. And they all talk about how, how challenging and how difficult it is at the open level now to requalify for the elite. So I feel the intensity as a camera guy, like when I was in Bobby's boat, I felt like I was covering an elite event. It was that, it was that intense. 
Did he hit you with any lures this time? No, we talked about it though. He almost tried. He had one of those uh, chopos. Uh huh. And he he was it was hung on a, a little branch in the water, and he snapped it back, and I saw it coming, and I dodged to my left, and it went over my right shoulder, and we both started laughing. He goes, "You saw that one coming, didn't you?" <laughs> Uh, I'll leave a mark that would leave a mark yeah yeah so uh yeah it was it was it was fun man i had a great time i love going back to tennessee and i'll be at lake of the ozarks covering this sunday and then in october i'll be at harris chain and i'll be covering the college bracket as well so it, i've i'm more and more uh, personally getting involved and really engaging in these in these other events that are qualifying events for the classic or the elites and I enjoy it because I get to see and and interact with some of the guys that you know are going to be in the elites in the near future. So it's pretty cool. You just said you fished with you were with Bobby Lane, and then you're like, I get to interact with some of the. You already know those people. At the dock. Spr- I know, but oh, at the dock, okay. I didn't know the. I didn't know TJ or I didn't know I didn't know these guys. You know, I know of them. I just don't know them personally. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of them don't wear shoes. A lot of the young anglers, it's a new thing. I mean, <laughs> Tyler flip-flops. is the same, and no, but I mean, literally, yeah, they uh, walk on stage with no shoes. I don't know, maybe Ott Defoe has done that to our sport or what it is. <laughs> I mean, Aaron used to not wear shoes at times, so it's happening. But um, it's the vibe. Congrats to Tyler Williams for winning the Bassmaster Open. I look forward to seeing you at the Classic, uh, the main event. Tyler Williams, you get it because he's. He's from Maine. Yeah. <laughs> so know. one of our camera guys, John, uh, I forget his last name. One of the the new camera guys that is coming in to help cover some of our events when we don't have enough, you know, when someone has to bail or whatever. He's from Maine. So at the after the event was over, he found out that Tyler was from Maine. So he was like, you know he had that in-state camaraderie about that win and how little you hear about guys from Maine in the professional fishing world. But apparently, you know, there's some good bass fishing, largemouth and smallmouth fishing in Maine. Did you yeah. know that? Yeah, I did know yeah. that. I did know I that. It did, just doesn't get a lot of national hype. Or, you know what I, I mean? Like, I don't, there's not many big events or, a, or any that I know of, but Maine is a, Maine's a pretty incredible sport outdoors state when it comes to you know when it comes to all the outdoor anything oh, yeah. outdoors oh, i mean yeah. it, it's pretty pretty awesome pretty natural pretty untapped um and are you going to come on let you know we haven't talked about this but how about we just have you on for one of these mini jake takes after each of these opens let's do it the college bracket too there's a lot to talk about but yeah. i mean these people are the future of our sport so it's worth talking about let's do it man come on all right all right i got one more Any question Jake's for take. you and okay. I stole it. I stole it from a podcast that I love. Travis Kelsey and Jason Kelsey have the number one sports podcast in the world. So congrats to them. Wow. New Heights. And they they argued over this. So I'm going to throw it to you. How many holes does a straw have? One. <laughs> is it one or is it two, though? <laughs> it's one. It's one long hole. Because a hole has an entry and an exit, right? Uh huh. So it's so it's you go in hole. the first hole, and you come. And what out do you come out? The first hole. <laughs> <laughs> It'll blow your mind. I mean, <laughs> it can take, you take the straw and you cut it in half. I mean, it's got a lot of holes. Then 
more holes. You me to say two. You were. I mean, some people say two. I, I agree with you on the one, um, which made this topic crash and burn. <laughs> um, but yeah, they argued over it for a long time. And, and I've talked to some people about it and they start arguing, but I'm going one. I'm going one with you. We'll let her find the context of the, uh, how did that initiate? It's just a stupid question. It's dumb. Like, how does it, it was just like, how many holes does a straw have? A lot of people will say two, but it is one. I mean, if it, if it's, I mean, how many, but how many openings does a tunnel have? One. But nobody would say one, right? That's true. If you, well, it depends, I guess it depends. (laughs) This is overwhelming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's one hole. I mean, the first thing I thought of when I thought of the image of a straw, how many holes does it have, was a tunnel. Thinking, okay, it's just one hole. It's one in and one out. I didn't know you'd think it through. (laughs) Well, let us know what you guys, how many holes does a straw have? This has been a little itty-bitty mini Jake's take, and uh, I appreciate you for feedback on the opens and um, anything else to add before you leave here? No, but I'll never look at a straw the same again. No, no. I'm sitting staring at this one. Like, Oh my God, don't do that to me. (laughs) It'll blow your mind. I mean, it'll mess you up. (laughs) Jake's take. Always good to see you, Jake. Thanks, Dave. See you, buddy. You're welcome. (laughs) So that's it. That's all. We will be back with another one of these next week. Got to thank Brian New, Jake LaTondres, and thank all of you for tuning in. And um, we'll see you again. Enjoy being, have a great week. And as always, Bob Cop, take it away. Thanks for watching. Please like, comment, and subscribe. Because Bob Cobb of the Bassmasters told you to. You hear? <laughs>